Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Ed. No, I'm not Ed. Hi, I'm Brian. <laughs> and I am Ed. It was switcheroo. I am Ed. <laughs> This is the Instinctive Influences Podcast. Oh, boy. Well, I wanted to feel, I wanted to know what it felt like from your perspective, you know? Like, <laughs> if I announce myself as Ed, do I feel that greatness coming out, you know? So Maybe. I was just, I mean, we're going to talk about later perspective. So I just wanted to see what it felt like to be Ed. I thought you were just working on some material for our blooper reels. Now that we're doing video. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're doing video, it's it's totally different. And hey, <laughs> Ed, I'll tell you what, man, we uh we are killing it in the video area. Like it, we're doubling our just audio noise, you know, audio noise. That's what it is. It's just noise in the background for people. Um, but we're we're I mean, we're getting double the number of listeners and view than no, we're getting to double the number of viewers on YouTube to the listeners on all the other platforms. Insane. I mean, I usually put it on when I'm working out, like doing the elliptical or riding the bike. I can put it on and watch the indoor bike, not my street bike. Uh, I usually throw it on there myself. I don't know. It's something. <laughs> it's just different, and it's more enjoyable in the video. It is. It will, yeah, you see, you see the characters uh, come to life because uh, that's what. I like to think of it as just character. No, it's actually, we're actually real people. Uh, now, it, I could just see you now. You said on the, only the indoor. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, watch it on your bike while you're riding down the street. Don't yeah. get hit by a car. Yeah. No, here in Germany, they're very not cautious. So, yeah, I, I can't watch it. I'm afraid to change a song when I ride my bike here. Yeah, no, hey, I I totally get you there. That's why. So I ended up. Michelle bought me a gift. Um, because I wasn't always. I never feel safe with the uh, the earbuds or anything, in, you know, unless it's like a closed path. And I that like in Korea we had closed paths. Loved it. But she ended up. She got me so those Bose glasses. Have you ever seen those? Yes. Yeah. Those things are amazing. Like yeah. you, the it, this you hear you still hear everything around you. And it sends the sound in just right. So you're not, I'm not completely distracted by the sound. Um, and I don't have to, like, I hear a car coming up behind me, you know, and it's, it's definitely the way to go. And I think they're going to come out with a sportier version, which would be even better. Yeah, it would be. I, I wanted some, and then I end up getting earbuds instead, Bose, but the noise canceling is unreal. And I definitely could not wear them on a bike. I have them with me all the time, but I would not ride the bike with yeah well i mean you know just as well as i do i mean there's there's been the times where you don't have it you're not listening to anything and something comes up behind from you and it'll scare the you know you know what out of you so oh yeah because your your mind you're especially about something else yeah absolutely yeah hey so how's life man you you, you Um, doing all right yeah, been been a good week i did some army things that i haven't done in a while i sat on a promotion board uh, trying to help some young soldiers, you know, get them ready for the next step. So I hadn't done that in a, yes. a while. Actually, so a soldier comes in, Brian, and you know, they come in, they're super nervous, right? And they're like doing this and they're like, oh, 
And I said, hey, hey, specialist, uh, you know, we'll say Schmuggatelli. You nervous? And the specialist goes, yeah, yes, master. I said, me too. I haven't done this in like three years. I'm nervous too. So if you would calm down, I'll calm down and we can get through this together. And the board members laughed, but guess what the soldier did? <laughs> the soldier laughed and relaxed just a little bit, just a little let down. You could see the shoulders come down a little bit. And that was what I was after, right? I was after mm-hmm. getting them to relax a little. Instead, we always say, oh, just relax, just relax. But that doesn't relax you like a laugh does or, you know. No, no, no. Yeah. Did I, ever tell, did I ever tell you what happened to me in my first promotion board ever in 2000? Did you pass out? It was 2000. No, it's 2001. I did. Yeah. Right in the chair. I got the black, no, I got the black tunnel, you know, where you're just you're yeah. staring at somebody in front of you. Yes, I did. Um, I was, it was in South Korea. I was at Camp Humphreys. It was a small post back then. And I, and I'm, I think I'm fine and everything. And I'm sitting down and I was thinking – I'm like, why is everything like zooming in? And this is the first time I ever had this happen to me. And everything came in to like a little tiny circle. And then I woke up with the Sergeant Major like tapping me on the face, asking me if I was okay. Wow. And so he gets me awake. Yeah. Yeah. Gets me awake. Gets me. He says, all right, I need to go to the hallway, put some water in your face, calm down, and then come back in. So when I come back in, they're all kind of like staring at me and stuff. And yeah, it was the scariest thing ever. But uh, I never, I didn't, when people say you pass out, I never had it happen. So I was like, eh, whatever, you know, it's nothing. No, I got that nervous. I passed out, bro. So yeah. So for all those guys out there and gal, gals uh, in the army that have worked with me before or sat on a board that I was a part of. Yes. I passed out at my very first board because I was so nervous. So hey, it happens. It happens. Yeah, that's incredible. I don't even know how I guessed that. Like, <clears throat> wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those things are nerve wracking. Absolutely. I mean, but they also help develop that leader in you, right? You got to go through those experiences to be able to learn from them and, and become better. Um, you know, the reason I knew that making that soldier laugh works is because I wish somebody had done that when I had to do a promotion board. So it does help. It's all part of that development in you as a, you know, a senior leader, that moment in your life, it it had an impact. You know, it had a second and third order effect on the rest of your career. You never forgot it. So, I mean, here we are 20 years later and you still think about that moment as if you were there. Oh yeah. And I, I, I try to put myself in that the 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 soldier side of things, and I think we're going to talk about the perspective thing. So we'll, we'll, I'll yeah. add that to later. Uh, <laughs> before we get into our major topic, Ed, um, good news story. Good news stories because we're, we want to start bringing these in. Uh, we had our our last guest was Thomas Bramer. Uh, yes. This coming up and uh, not just a few days i want to say is his actual ceremony for uh, retirement uh, he's going to going to have a bunch of family in up there at colorado and stuff so i want to say congratulations to him and thank you for your service uh, for all those years and i can't wait to see what the next chapter does for him uh, they're going to be moving back to ohio uh, so that's you know far that's quite a ways from here but um i wish him the best so you know good news story you know to see a a good leader who 
I would tell you, I didn't say this stuff so much when we were sitting there together because you always kind of like you rethink about things like, oh, hey, uh, we talked about this. We talked about that. But like literally sitting there and saying, you know, thank you to him for what he kind of did for me in a short period of time. Uh, When I say short period of time, I used to call them my McMahon crew. So we our street name (laughs) was McMahon. And uh, I our crew, we had this old group of people. We always hung out together, did stuff, but he would come over to my garage and I had whiteboards up in the garage for like working out and stuff. And we'd race everything on there. And we, he would map, he mapped out all kinds of stuff for me to help me like learn and to understand things. And he didn't have to do that. You know, he took his, but he wanted, I mean, he wanted to take his time about things and teach me a few things. And I was, I was like a sponge soaking it in. Um, and I was grateful for that. What was even better to me, Ed, than anything, <clears throat> when I was away and my family was still there, everybody in that group, it's kind of like they, you know, they put their arms around my family and they, they were there for them when they needed it. And to, that's like, like family stuff. That's typical army stuff to us. But yeah. there's, there's those people who are probably out there who are civilians and they're like, oh yeah, I just reach out to my family. Well, that's, that's not how we do it we take care of our own. And that's, that was something I was grateful for. So I just want to say that to me, that's this week's good news story is, you know, to see a good friend and mentor getting to move on to the next chapter of his life and, uh, and his, with his family. And it was great having him here. So, uh, I want to say, Hey, congratulations and uh, keep on going for that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, Tom. Uh, thanks for doing the interview. It was, I thought that the, the, uh, video on YouTube turned out very well. I, I was impressed with it. I mean, I found myself, Brian, for the first little bit, you know, smiling, watching this video, laughing, and I thought it was pretty good. I thought the camaraderie, and, you know, I thought it came across pretty well. So, yeah, thanks, Tom, and congratulations. Uh, yes. Job well done, obviously. You made it to retirement, and uh, on to the next thing, whatever that is. <laughs> that next thing, yeah. Well, hey. Speaking of next things, the next thing we need to go over is this week's topic. And if anybody remembers last week, what I said was, is we're connecting some dots here. We're going to link some different shows together to kind of, you know, make it like be a learning lesson. Last week, we talked a little bit about leadership philosophy with him. Mm -hmm. Well, one of those things that we may have to learn how to do before we can come up with leadership, leadership philosophy is to define leadership or define our own leadership. And that's where we, you know, we, we did some research, found a great article. Um, the article actually is, is uh, we're going to take notes from the article. Ed wanted to teach from his whiteboard, he told me earlier. However, he's not ready for that type of setup yet. He's not ready to go back to the classroom, which I think is a, <laughs> I, would be a great thing. Get him in there like he's in a classroom and start. Yeah. Then I can just shut up and listen. Well, I gotta, um, I gotta move the office around. Go ahead. Now. Just I, I gotta mod, you know modify how the office is laid out a little bit, um, and then my wife's gotta finish her Lego over here in the corner, and then we will be able to move the bookcase and stuff around. And uh, I think I think that is kind of the plan. Uh, I'm gonna move my desk so it's yeah. across from the whiteboard, so I can do a desk show here, and then the next week flip the camera and do the whiteboard show. And I think that'll. And then they'll get to see my fancy Batman painting that hangs over my door as well. Hey, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's funny that you say that. You say that I uh, I've already been messed. Like I've got I bought a tripod for the the camera that gets really tall, and I've already messed with some like different 
scenarios of like, if I wanted to do it from the whiteboard or if I want to do it where I'm sitting on the couch again and it's just different angles and I'm just looking at different ways to go about it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the same track as you, buddy. We haven't even, we didn't even discuss this, but we're thinking about this. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this article that we found. Uh, the article is actually, the title is called six questions to define leadership. And it was written by a C Miller. Uh, I don't know what C stands for, for those of you out there. Uh, but it was actually, so originally we found it on From the Green Notebook, which is something that Ed and I have talked about multiple times. We found a lot of good information for. So those of you out there, if you uh, want to go check out, just, just type in Google f- uh, From the Green Notebook uh, and that website will come up. Tons of articles, great stuff that, that is both military related and civilian related, primarily military. All right. So the, um, and I, we can look at some history on this down the road and talk about the individual who started it, uh, who's still serving. I th- I'm pretty sure. However, C Miller, uh, is, was a civil affairs officer, uh, pursuing a master's degree in international economics and strategic studies, uh, at John Hopkins, a school of advanced international studies. Uh, he also, holds a master's degree in project management from Western uh, Carolina University, Uh, was previously assigned uh, to a civil affairs organization. I'm not going to name it off or anything like that. Uh, And is deployed multiple times. So this is somebody, it seems to me, Ed, just reading the little bio that I got from bio from the uh, article is this is somebody with experience. This is somebody who is, who's been tested, uh, through different uh, instances. And I think that's why I was, I was kind of happy when I started reading the article and I saw the different questions and how to kind of mm-hmm. look at things uh, that I was, I was satisfied with that. Uh, what, what are your initial thoughts, bud? Uh, yeah. I thought the article was pretty interesting. And then, um, you know, I, I read it, I read it twice. I read it once, you know, through one time, which also I think we're going to talk about a little bit about that, the importance of that. I read it for reading it. Then I read it for understanding it. And then I skimmed it to make notes mm-hmm. on it. So, um, you know, I, yes. my only regret is, you know, I talked about that going back to that promotion board and I sat on the promotion board with a peer who is um, civil affairs so it would have been nice to have kind of maybe I could have had some discussion with him on some of these topics, you know, from his perspective and, and, and you know, get some more information that I could have used. But I think that um, we both have enough knowledge in these areas. I think some of it really feeds into us as leaders that it should be an interesting discussion today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I and that's <clears> – <throat> I think about this article and I look at all these six questions or six lessons learned. And I would say, Ed, I feel like we've hit all these topics before, but we've never crunched them all together. And that's what I, I kind of liked about this. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I want to start it right off the bat, Ed. I wanted to read this first paragraph from because I thought it was, to me, it had meaning. It had uh, a lot of depth that we could actually discuss upon. All right. Uh, the best lessons in life often come from repetition, several emotional events and failures. It's why we train to reinforce skills and create situations that are hopefully worse than anything encountered in real life. Did we see that right there? That, that, that part right there, Ed, it makes me think about the whole trainers you fight mentality, you know, make sure that our training is so tough. What's that? 
Which is actually something that you and I are very deeply, it's ingrained in us, like, early in our career, right? So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> there's an additional component to these lessons, that maturity to intellectual interrogate the events and extract critical information that <clears throat> frames the knowledge for future decisions. The best mentors try to pass this information on in an effort to help the next generation avoid learning these same difficult lessons the hard way. Unfortunately, while well-intentioned, the lack of emotional connection and perspective often fails to resonate and individuals end up repeating the mistakes anyway. These secondhand lessons tend to teach people what to think rather than how to think. Uh, I, I thought about that. I thought about lessons learned. I thought about AARs. I thought about all these different things when I was reading that, Ed. And to me, it was just like, how many times has somebody said to me, you may not want to do that um, because this is going to be the results. And in my mind, I, I reply back with even sometimes verbally, oh, no, no, I, I think it'll be different this time, right? And I make the same mistakes as somebody tried to warn me. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the things that uh, Rick used to tell us, he used to say that when we worked in the academy, that it's a wagon wheel. We, you started one spot uh, and try to make these changes, try to do these things, but it always comes back down to that same spot again. Yeah. Well, the other thing. So when I read this part, I think of our children, right? Because we tell them, oh, yes. Based off of your life experiences, don't do this. You know, this isn't, you know, do this, apply for college at this point when you're in high school. But then they still want to like carve their own niche out. I want my own path. And you're like, okay, well, I mean, I told you the stove was hot. If you continue to touch the stove, then you just, you have to touch the stove and learn for yourself. I told you the thing was hot. Uh, and I, so really, this mm-hmm. one really took me away from the military, away from that part, and just made me think about your leadership as a parent and the impact of that and how that plays into, I'm trying to show you a better way, but we also have to understand when they don't want that better way to just let, let them learn on their own and then let them come back and say, you were right. Mm-hmm. My kids would never say that. <laughs> Yours and mine both, my friend. I've got, I think our youngest one, she, she's, she can be the most stubborn. She's uh she's very inquisitive. She, she loves to discover things on her own. Uh, more, more so like, I feel like it's like a, a little mini version of me in there because she, she's so hard headed. So but one I love looks like you and one acts my like princess. you. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> What did I do? What did yeah. I do? Because Ethan looks <laughs> yeah, like you so. were washed in hot water. So, went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wait>, so it <laughs> shrunk. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. got that. Ah, yeah. I got you, Michelle. Yeah, no, he, he's something else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness the, the the other one looks more like my wife and not me. Then, poor uh, she, poor girl. She did. <laughs> All right, um, Ed. Let's uh, so let's we'll jump into our six little areas. Um, do you want to kind of start us off with the this very first one? Uh, yeah. So Brian, the first one is it's all about perspective, and there's a lot of things about perspective. I mean, you, you know, oh man, I hate that phrase. 
but my my perception, my reality, those type of things. But what is so when we talk about here, what we're talking about is understanding the perspective of the other people, of our junior soldiers. What is it? Why? What you know? Um, John Rogers, peel back the onion. Why is that the action that they took? What what led mm. them to think that was the what route? Like what was that like? And that's really what it's when you talk about uh, perspective. That's what we're talking about, Brian. Yes, yes. Uh, I would definitely say so. With this in this article, I loved what the author put here. Uh, I want to say it was like the third or fourth sentence. This is when is the last time you asked yourself? What is the other person's perspective mm-hmm. when a soldier gets labeled as a troublesome? Most leaders want to cut them loose and move on because that's the easy course of action. One I am guilty of employing myself also, uh, or when a leader makes a se- uh, seemingly rash decision, the easy response is to criticize it as being foolish. Uh, so with that, that perspective thing, putting yourself in their shoes having empathy, so to speak, but not feeling bad for them. That, to me, that's a big part of the whole leadership. Uh, is it helps you understand your subordinates yeah. or those who are with you, um, understanding you know, what they're going through. I remember, you remember this, Ed. I remember being a private or a specialist and money being a problem. Uh, what's getting paid this month? Is it going to be the electric bills or going to be food? Well, we've got to have food. So maybe we'll electric bill will be late and you know it, or we only have so much gas, so much money afforded towards gas. So how much we drive the vehicle, you know, to me, you know, that plays into the leadership thing of, well, do I really want Joe driving all over X, Y, and Z, or can we help them out as seniors um, and, and say, Hey, how about I drive and we'll go together and stuff, not just to be there to monitor and help them, but also to save them from those, those, uh, all those pains that they may end up having, you know, um, you, you've, you've probably have done, dealt with the exact same thing with the whole, well, this, this kid's a problem. And, and instead of washing them off, I know knowing you, Ed, you probably went in even harder <laughs> than before to help them. I mean, you do have, you have to understand, you know, um, the soldier and then the soldier perspective or the, or subordinate. But one of the things that said in the article is it said, remove yourself. So you're removing yourself from the, the situation and you're red teaming it. Um, and then that can lead to better solutions. So it's basically <laughs> saying you, you have to take yourself away. I know he's my soldier. I know he's, you know, troublesome, but let me move back and look at it from a different angle and see. And then when you start figuring those things out, the why behind it, it, it can help you to be like, okay, well, this is how I can help him to fix that that thing. Um, now, I have had soldiers that were re- reassigned, which we're going to talk about, but I got there right after he was reassigned. And I mean, this soldier's like, I hate the Army. I hate this. I hate NCOs. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But then he got into a situation where he worked with myself and our, our at the time, Motor Sergeant. And uh, so, yeah, so he's waiting to pin Master Sergeant right now, that PFC that wanted out the Army so bad. He's currently waiting to pin Master Sergeant. So, yeah, he, he wow. flipped it because you took him – at that point, when we talk about reassign later, the reassign was the solution for him. 
and, and you gave them a fresh start and we treated, we knew, you know, cause they come with their packet, right? So we know what their issues were, but it's about you as the leader looking at it from a different perspective. I know what leadership problems yes. you had over here, but those weren't with me. Let's see how you respond to my leadership. Let's take it a different mm-hmm. look at a different perspective of, of the situation. And now, like I said, this guy's getting ready to make mass arm. That was back in, he was a PFC in 2008. So here we are 13 years later from PFC to mass arm, waiting to pin. So 13 years. Wow. 13 years. That's yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. That's fast. That's somebody who once they realized that they, uh, they liked it, they put their, whoever that is. And I, I'm, I'll have to talk to you after, cause I really want to do find out, but uh, that's somebody <laughs> well, who put their, their, their face to it and went after it. Yeah, I mean, he did the things people, again, we also, as NCOs and, and leaders, we know the best way to succeed as a leader in the military is to do the jobs other people don't want. So he was a recruiter in, like, yes. Delaware, like, not the hotbed of recruiting. Ooh. He went to Rock Island and worked with all mostly civilians and a handful of green suitors. So he took the challenging assignments to help himself progress quicker. Because he's after that, mm-hmm. I mean, he was the first time go every time for getting promoted. So, yeah. So there's those things. So, but there, oh, go ahead, Brian. I wanted to ask you. So, how how do you what do you think you went through the whole perspective piece that we're talking about right now um, to help you lead that soldier, or was it just more like an instinct thing? I mean, what what do you think helped you kind of? transition to help that guy or gal. Uh, so one of the things is is the soldier came from maybe a, a not great community and, and when he grew up and so I came from a community that was not great either and I think that shared kind of although one was east coast one was west coast but still very mm-hmm. similar kind of experiences growing up helped and then leadership capital you know uh, the soldier's wife had a complicated pregnancy and I was at the hospital with the soldier when he wanted to fight the nurse because she gave the baby a shot that woke the baby up when they're peacefully sleeping. Like going through those things, uh, the soldiers, you know, soldier loses a sibling to violence in the streets and the soldier wants to immediately mm-hmm. go back home and take care of it and make him see like you have a family now. And so putting that time and investing mm-hmm. in the soldier, absolutely leadership capital which again, we kind of talk about today. Um, I think that was how I ended up leading that soldier. And like I said, I looked at his file for Sarn first class. I looked at his file for Master Sarn. <laughs> I uh, he still every once in a while I get emails from him, and he still reaches out to me all these years. Like I separated from him in two thousand eleven. I think we went our separate ways, but I still I still communicate with him and his wife. Uh, you know, right. I say regular army regular. So every few months, but yeah, so that's, that's what it yeah. was. And you do have to look at it from a different <laughs> angle. Like, um, but you know, in the article, yes. Brian, it gives us some tools, uh, that should help fix some issues. Uh, you know, so the first one, uh, is it, it talks about is resupply and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a logistics guy. So it's basically saying, do they have, the tools that they need, do they have what they need or is that what's causing whatever the issue is? And I think it's more than, 
you know, pens and paper and, and, and physical tools, but do they have the the tools they need to be successful? Do they do they have, you know, maybe their upbringing, maybe they don't have those decision making processes to develop a course of action for what they want to do. So though, I think it's a little more mm-hmm. deep than simply um, do they have what they need? You know, uh, yeah, they got a paper. Yeah, they're good. You know what I mean? So I think that when you're looking at putting it in perspective, that's part of it is do they have the mental tools, I guess, is it mental? I guess kind of mental, but do they have the ex- experiential learning process? Have they gone through that to learn but uh, to learn to deal with this scenario, because you talked about and, finances before. And you Go killing ahead. me. You killing. Oh. I was going to bring that up, and then you bring it up. I'm like, come on, guy. Like, yeah. You're stealing all my. No, keep going. Keep preach, brother. Keep no, no. Going. So you talk about finance earlier, right? But does that soldier have the knowledge of how to manage your finance? That's a tool, and, and mm-hmm. I think that that's part of putting it yeah. in perspective. Like instead of hammering that soldier for not paying their bills. Let's look at why they're not paying the bills. Well, the soldier doesn't know how to balance, you know, his bank account. Back in our day, a checkbook. That's a mm-hmm. tool. So we can sit down yes. and get that for them. We can get yes. from another agency. We can provide it something. So that's the first one, Brian. Uh, you want to take the second one? I are we? I will, but I wanted to hit upon what okay. you said. Uh, you said balancing the checkbook and stuff like that. Tool. That's a tool. I had that. I no one taught me how to do that stuff before I joined the army. It was my first squad leader after I'd already bounced a check and gotten in trouble for bouncing a check that I learned those life skills. So it's it's, and he didn't look down upon me. He said, "You don't know how to do this. Let me teach you." And that's what felt good. So yeah, yeah, definitely. You know the resupply. I like that. Uh, Yeah, the very next one was about retrain, and uh, it's basically does the soldier need more training to be successful. Uh, I used to have a first sergeant uh, that when I was recruiting, I don't so, I don't so much. I don't know how to relate it. So, well, I do not relate it. So he used to say all the time, there's normally two reasons why Pete, a soldier wouldn't be able to get something done. And he used to say it's either training or discipline. Either they don't have the discipline to do it because they already know how, or they haven't been trained. And he said, we can fix both. Yeah. Now, do I agree? I don't agree completely because sometimes I think there's also, you know, there may be other underlying things there. But but to me, retraining, that's a huge piece. I mean, when we, you and I, we taught together. Uh, if we had a failure that failed a test at our academy, any type of test, those <laughs> students went through a retraining and we would spend the hours need to. I mean, the most the most prominent retraining we did you know, just as well as I do, was the land nav. Especially land nav was the most, um, th- that was, we never had to retrain my platoon. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, yeah. But that was, I mean, and, you know, like Sarah, she's going to listen. We talked about her earlier. I know yeah. she'll listen. She's going to relate to that. She'll remember, oh, yeah, that was like the one thing we constantly retrained. Yeah. And, was it because maybe was it because they didn't relate enough to the training the first time that they didn't get it and then somebody else trained them? So it could be a different of training styles. It could be a different <coughs> type of learning to being done. It can be, I mean, there's just so many factors in there. Um, and often, Ed, when you think about it, that retraining we would do, normally our success rate was very high in 
a second time pass, right? Yeah. They they tend to pass. I mean, there was very few times we lost students after a retrain took place. So I felt yeah. I think retraining is definitely another key indicator that we have to look at when we look at their perspective type thing. Ed, I think retraining too, Brian. The way we did, I think you had to have an ego thing because I know at least in the platoons I was in. Generally, the person conducting the retrain was not the person that conducted the original training. So maybe Brian just didn't reach that right. soldier, that student, but maybe Schmugatelli can reach them. So it helps to have Schmugatelli conduct the retrain because mm-hmm. if I have Brian conduct the retrain and he conducted the original training, I didn't change that much, right? Um, yes. So there's a dynamic yes. there. So yeah, retrain. I mean, uh, the range. What's the first thing you do if you can't qualify the range? You report to retraining. Go to retrain. Yeah, you get retraining. Yep. So, it's, and I think it's more too. Like I, I do think retraining is important. I think it's a good way to overcome some issues. Um, you know, and, and it does put some things in perspective, Brian. Ah, this next one. Yes, definitely. Let's talk about the next one. The next one is refit. Ooh. Um. So. Refit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, refit. So this one we're talking about, um, this is talking about looking at your team and are there responsibilities uh, that could be shared to increase the focus? So we talked about this week, right? Promotion board. And we talked about a soldier with a lot of Mm -hmm. tasks within his office. And those tasks have, what they've done is they bogged the soldier down to the point where now he's not conducting things that's expected of his grade or his position because he's so focused on this. But if you have a big enough team, you can maybe take something off of his plate, put it on another plate and say, here, this is your thing now. Or, you know, um, the other thing you can do is you, or what that does, I'm sorry, what that does is now this guy that I gave this new task to, now he's going to build some confidence yes. when he executes it, right? And now I'm building yes. more leadership capital, and then I can take something else off his mm. plate. But the important part to me, let's make sure this guy over here doesn't think we're taking it away from him because he's not doing a good job. Let him know we're taking it away because I need you to be more focused on over here. And these two things I can give to somebody else to help you do that and accomplish that mission. I mean, if you got six soldiers, I can take some things off of you. So you, I need you to focus on those six soldiers too. So that's where we get our refit. And I wrote a note that I can't quite see. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, that, that's refit, Brian. Refit is just kind of sharing the wealth if you can, taking some stuff off the soldiers. And it may be you. Maybe you as the leader looking at it and yes. putting things in perspective. Maybe it's about you saying, you know what? That is something I should be doing anyway. Let me take that away from him or her and let them focus on their own because we do. But and then you're also building your you're building um, the future. You're building. You're teaching yes. that. You're teaching that specialist some responsibility. When you give this guy over here some of the other guy's stuff, now you're teaching him some responsibility, and you're teaching him you know, to manage things and you're building him to become the NCO to replace this guy over here. Nice shorts. Absolutely. You know, so something I read, you like my shorts? They're nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
It's so my wife can see me coming from a long ways away. She doesn't lose me in stores anymore. Um, so one of the things that used to be, this used to be, this card used to be up behind my desk. I kept all these cards. I don't know if you remember the different cards. I had four of them. Uh, I used to have them up behind my desk there at the academy. And when I was reading through what you just said about re, uh, the refit, and it says increase focus and build confidence in primary tasks. This, to me, hey. is competence and confidence and it's constantly rotating we create competence in our individuals through the confidence we build in them and what they understand and yeah i've i've found that this you know let's just say for the instance our podcasting right our ability to do this when we started off doing this we were horrible i mean like the production wise like the conversations were were good i was i was i was definitely but after I learned new things and I learned how to do certain stuff, I felt more confident in it. And I mean, now we're, we've moved from, you know, we're, we're, this is this episode 82. If you take and compare this to episode two, you'd be like, oh my goodness, they, they have updated. I mean, we got video now. We, we, you know, uh, there's just all the different things. But what happened was, is over time, uh, the competence was built through confidence and then just repetition. And that's definitely uh, what I was thinking about. Hey, uh, do me a favor too. Just look at the uh, note that I just sent you, Ed, in the chat um, as we continue yeah. on. Um, let's see. The the next one. <laughs> see, they can't see what we type to each other. The uh, <laughs> so number four is reassign. Is there, is, is there an organizational issue that is impending? impending a soldier's performance and would they do better in a different unit? Mm. Uh, I'm so that's one of those, those one of those things that I'm, mm, you know, I'm, I'm not always on board with uh, just moving people around. Yeah. I'd rather I see, help them get through the problem. But if they, if I do believe though, if they just can't overcome, then you have to move on. I mean, and you see this Ed. Uh, you see this with people, those, um, those are, uh, they start in one MOS, right? And they go to the AIT, basically invi- uh, advanced individual training of whatever the job is. And they just don't grasp on to the concepts. Yeah. Maybe they reclass to another one that help that they're a little bit, they understand a little bit better because I mean, I hate to say it, but recruiters don't always get it right by putting them in the right job and people just are not, not good at, they're not good at what they end up taking or they just don't, it doesn't fit their type of personality. And to me, reassigning people, I'm always cautious about that. I, uh, yeah. one of the things, Hey, so, so, so uh, Josh Bryan, uh, you know, my mentor, I talk about him a lot. And when I first got a hold of him or we talked he i was coming out of korea and i was getting ready to go to carson and originally i was supposed to go to his battalion and he asked me he said hey what company do you want i i literally replied back give me your worst and it's because it's like i i know how to you know i know how to relate that perspective thing right uh i don't don't reassign people out of that. Let's let's grow that from within because I think you can take the worst and become the best over time. You know, it's just one of those one of those ideas. Uh, reassign. What do you think about reassigning? Man? Well, one so the big thing from the article, and this is why most of us as senior leaders we have a problem with it. Right? Is it is not a tool to dump your problem child on somebody else's porch. 
It is not. That's not the real sign. No, like I, no. this kid is just Mm-mm. he can't can't do anything with him. He's always in trouble. I'm gonna make him first on Weber's problem. That's not how that works, right? You have to use this as a no. tool. You can use it as a tool. So in, in my soldier's case, the one I was talking about, it there was a later revealed uh, conflict between him and the first arm. And the other problem was his wife, okay. future wife, was in the same unit. So what happens is the first sergeant snaps on the wife, right? Starts screaming at the wife, the future wife. The soldier reacts. And then from that day forward, he's a moving target for this first sergeant who was not a good person either. And it does come, it comes out ah. later. It comes out much later. Right. But that's, you have to separate that. I mean, I had a first arm for that very reason. If you married somebody in his formation and you were in his formation, one of you were going to get reassigned, period. Because he wasn't going to let you stay there to cause that kind of a conflict. Um, if in the engineer world, it was very easy and we were the only battalion there. It was easy to move them around like that. But you can't just really know. So you say, well, can't get right. Can't do nothing with them. Give them to somebody else. Hey, let's jump into the opinion thing here or our experiences. So um, from my experiences, and I'm curious to hear what yours are. Uh, I'm, I don't have anything against people who are married in the same organization. Uh, I just prefer it not be. Uh, so my last organization, there was, there's a few different married, uh, married couples there. Um, and the reason I say that is that I just, I feel like, well, what if they have children? What if they have this? What if they do that? And we have to go and do something. Now both of them have to uproot everything. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, I've I don't disagree with people being married in the same place because people can be married at any type of organization, civilian or whatever, in order to yeah. place. It just it tends to to me, it tends to create more conflict than help in most cases. Not always though, because I could tell you also, I actually went out of my way to bring somebody's spouse to my organization because of an issue that was taking place at another organization. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think it helped. And that individual um, was just growing exponentially once they got to our organization. And I was very happy to see that. So what, what are your, I mean, because I don't want to, I'm not here to like influence people on to do it or not to do it because I really, you have to play to me, you have to play it uh, by ear. What do you you have to play by ear, and you have to gain that experience to form what your opinion is of it. I mean, for me, I thought that mm-hmm. it made sense to the point where you eliminate any possibility of that conflict. You eliminate that they might they might not be on the same kind of rotational basis going places, but within the engineer, like when we when my first son he did it is he just moved them to the next company over, so they were still going to be on the same patterns and routines. And then there's some level of you know if you got married and you're already in the formation together well you knew what the you knew what the you know what the the ripple effect of that was could be you knew that it meant we can both deploy you knew you know those different things so um yes but then you know i've seen it go terribly wrong when you don't move them and we won't get too in depth into that but i think that it does make yes. sense if you can afford to move them Go ahead and, and and move them. As long as you're not hurting somebody's career. As long as I'm not taking st- this staff sergeant who's in a staff sergeant position and putting them in a sergeant position for the sake of moving them. I don't want to hurt somebody's pr- potential for promotions 
But if I can move them from wherever they're at to a lateral position in another unit, then yeah, like you can move them. It's easy. And have those discussions with them. Let them be part of that discussion before you make that decision. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying I'm against it. Or I am for it either way. It's, it's, just one of those things that you play over time. Um, so, Ed, we're going to hit to the very next one. It says release. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this one either. What you got? So this is really, and it very much stresses <laughs> in the article, final option. Do not take this action lightly. Only use this action after you have already worked through the first four that we talked about. And, I mean, because really, in our world, you're ending a career. Like this is what we're talking about here, right? Yes. But to me, I look at it a little bit different, Brian. You know, we've talked about many times that one of our favorite podcasts is Team Never Quit, right? This is quitting. Yes. To me, as an NCO, and this is just me, this is you saying, I can't, I quit, they got to go. Now, there are cases, right? If the soldier is 10% over their body fat and they are not improving, then it might, and you've tried all the steps, at some point we got to as they, as we say, cut sling load and they've got to go home. So we do have the or, fail, or failed urinalysis, a failed urinalysis. So That's another situations, one. but like general good order and discipline kind of stuff, like late the formations, a soldier should never, to me, would should never be chaptered if they're late to work. I, I've seen them, but why? I, let's figure out yes. how we can fix. There's got to be something else. I mean, if you get to this point, like I said, there's an underlying problem. Yeah. You've not only quit mm-hmm. on your leadership, you've quit on that soldier too. And I, I think that's why this is one, it goes very much hand in hand with, to me with reassign as these are like options way down. I have tried a lot. Uh, I have got with Brian and said, look, man, I cannot figure this out. Can you help me? Or whoever your mentor is, can you help me? Can you help me figure this out? How to handle this? I want to help this soldier. Um, and then when it works out and you didn't release them, leadership capital, my friend, you helped them save their career. Uh, so, you know, it just this is just way down yes. the totem pole for me. Absolutely. Well, I I have to throw the note, though, because he did put a note in. I think he could have asterisk both four and five. He said reassign and then yeah. and release. Uh, he asterisk, he put an asterisk beside reassign, but I think also affects the release. But it says, be careful not to use this tool as a way to dump a problem yeah. on someone else. Good leadership means that the issues and reassignment are explained clearly to the soldier. And an, an integration plan for the new assignment is thoroughly developed before execution. Uh, you, you said it perfectly. Don't dump your problems on someone else. Uh, and yeah. I totally agree with it. I like that idea of that first question. So, and we're going through, we're going through this as six questions um, was what is the other person's perspective? So you can help define your leadership by looking at the other person's perspective. It mm-hmm. helps you grow as a leader. I think if you go into lesson two though, Ed, this is something we preach all the time or talk yeah. about all the time. Um, <laughs> lesson two, <laughs> you can lesson two is you can and should learn something from everyone. Everyone has encountered a variety of leadership styles and likely experienced a spectrum ranging from transformational to toxic. Uh, 
one of the questions you can ask is basically, what have I learned from my leaders? You know, it's, it's the, as you say, lifelong learning mm-hmm. uh, portion of leadership. It, it's taking those nuggets of leadership that you'd liked and disliked to build your own. Um, all too often, people, what are people doing? They're not, they're not sitting there thinking about and reflecting upon the actual, their style of leadership, right? A lot of times when you're a junior, and I hope we have plenty of juniors that are listening. A lot of times as a junior, you're, uh, you're just going day by day, day by day, day by day. And you're not really thinking about, Hey, this is how I lead, or this is how I don't lead things like that. Uh, lost you there, Ed. You okay, buddy? Um, I'm back. <laughs> oh, you're back. My man's yeah. back. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, but that's what, that's just like one of those things that I think about is like, I don't think I became, uh, I guess I I didn't look back at different types of leaders so much until I'd say I was a staff sergeant. And then I started really evaluating it. Instead, I just reacted as a sergeant, as an NCO, as a leader before that. Watch yourself. Um, I had some challenges early and so it's, it's difficult. So remember I, I was in the military and then I got out the military. So when I came back in, I mean, it, I looked at things a little bit differently. So, I mean, I had a Sergeant First Class as a specialist. I was like, I will not be this guy. So I was already examining, you know, poor examples of leadership as a specialist, even as a PFC, because I had that experience of the first four years of my career being in before. You know what I mean? So it was a little different. I did start a little early, but to this day, I have not violated what that my issue was with that guy. I am not a yeller, I, just not who I am. So, um, hmm. but you know, I, I put a note, real big note here on my whiteboard about lesson two, and it's check your ego because you have hmm. to be willing to say, I can learn something from that specialist. Or even that PFC, I can learn something. I don't know it all. Yes. So I think that that's very important to understand that. And it goes right into your ego. Like, let your ego, you know, let it go. Realize, um, you know, and then one of the things that he says in the article that really stood out for me, Brian, I really liked, he said, uh, just because you're in charge doesn't mean you're the smartest person in the room or the shmi or a subject matter expert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't and, have and, to be. You don't have to be. You just have to know who people who are smart in certain areas and call upon them and their experiences to help you. Yeah. And actually, my current OIC is very much like that. She understands. Like, I don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but I need to know who the smartest person is so that I can get the help or direction that I need for whatever the scenario is. Um, and, and that is important. And that's checking your ego as well to understand that. I Just because, you know, Brian, you walk in the room and you're the only person with over 20 years experience, that doesn't mean you're the smartest person in that room. Just doesn't. You could no. be. But it doesn't mean you are just because, you know, you come in and you've got, you know, you've got a, a master's, a nice fresh master's and uh, 20 plus years could be somebody else. So it, that's important to understand. I mean, look at the thing about the ninja, right? You walk in and you see him as a civilian, but 
do you go in there as a star first class? You think, well, I know Army, but you don't know his background, right? You're not looking at it from his mm-hmm. lens. And now this guy might be the smartest guy mm-hmm. in the room, not you. And you say, well, yeah, but his job is to teach instructors. So, yeah, he's smarter than me in that. But he may be smarter than you in military. You just don't know where he came from. And he was very close hold on his background. And maybe that was part of the reason is yes. close hold. They don't know who I am, really. So, and then yes, that led yes. his evaluation. I, and you know how he was about stuff about evaluating people. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm glad you brought him up. Um <laughs> and we d- we haven't done it, and there is a reason why I'm not doing any of those commercials right now. Because uh, I've got a few commercials planned, you know, and stored for the Bearded Ninja and the Bearded Ninja products. There's a whole line of things going on. Uh, lifelong Learning Industries. They're they're just you know they're throwing <laughs> ideas left and right. But what you Fake brought merch. up was perfect <laughs> because <laughs> when you said people didn't know his background. You didn't. He, he he's he was not forthcoming of his background. No, you know it's like something you learned over time through somebody said this, and then you go and ask him and say, "Hey, did you really do that?" He's like, "Yeah, I did." Like, why didn't you tell us? That wasn't important at the time, you know. And it's funny because when you looked at the beard, if you look at him, you know, and that we've posted pictures. I mean, I've got a beard. I, I should wear it one day during the show. A bearded ninja fan club shirt that I had made up, <laughs> um, but. When you when you think about it, the way he came across or the way just he presented himself, you thought yeah. I, I literally thought the first time I met him, Ed, very first time, I thought, man, this guy must have been a, like a professor at a university or something, you know? Like that's what I got from him, right? The vest, his, his, the way he knew how to enunciate and talk, and the vest and the, <laughs> the 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 cool beard and just just how he did things, and I was thinking. There's no way that this guy, once I found out the story, I was like, no way. And then I want to say it was E-Step. It was Steve. Oh, was it not Steve? No. Was it Danny? No, it was E-Step. It was Danny. Yeah. It was, I know another E-Step named Steve. Um, but Danny, he's like, oh, I remember. I ran into him when he was uh, this rank in Hawaii. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was way different then. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is all real. Okay. You know. Um, but it, I find it, you know, and that's that whole, you know, uh, don't judge a book by its cover and all that. However, I, that's one of the things I gathered from him, uh, is the whole, uh, using other people around you. And you said, uh, just because they're, you're, you're in charge doesn't make you the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. uh, or the subject matter expert. The next one I thought was really good was the quickest way to alienate your subordinates is to treat them as though they don't have a voice. I think everyone had a voice in uh, Rick's classroom, always. And, always. And whether it be an instructor, whether it be a student, anybody. Anybody that came in, they had a voice. And I think what it did was it created that conducive learning environment that we wanted. You know, I, We were doing exponential learning before we were doing exponential learning because we were yeah. learning from one another. And, and that's – so – as a leader to try to define your leadership, we said, these are the six questions you should ask yourself as a leader. You really do have to kind of like look at it and say, you know, what have I learned from leaders, good and bad? What did I learn from them to be able to say, okay, I want to do this. I don't want to do that. Uh, And when you brought up, you said, sometimes we can learn from our subordinates. I think you should never eliminate that. If you, once you eliminate that, 
you stopped growing because that's maybe that's the newer generation. That's the newer generation that's bringing in new techniques, new types, new communication styles, all these different things that you've got to work your way through. How we communicate today, Ed, is not how you and I communicated 20 years ago to soldiers. It's different. Uh, yes. it's, it's completely different. And it's not, I'm not saying it's different for the bad or for the good. It's just a different way of communicating because it's a different generational thought process. We have soldiers literally in our ranks right now who were not born when 9-11 took place. So they never, yep. they didn't experience that, but they've grown up. They join knowing that they are a part of a, a, a service that's going to war or going to battle or going whatever. And they volunteered and said, yeah, I'll do it. To me, that's way different than when I joined my, you know, when I joined back yeah. in 98, there was nothing going on. It was just, you're joining to try to start a career or something. So I, <laughs> I find that to be uh, encouraging that people would want to say, yeah, send me type thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we, I don't know about you, but me as a, as a senior NCO, I understand this one because, you know, there are, uh, I, I'm on a staff with a lot of senior officers and there are unfortunately peers of yours and mine that they're not schmees and they really don't know that much. And then therefore, when you get in a room, they want it to be like, all of us are like that and we're not. And, and so then they don't want, well, Brian doesn't have a voice because he's an NCO or Haley doesn't have a voice because he's an NCO. And, and that feeling that you get from that, it uh-huh. is, it's, it's almost disrespectful. But then you, what you have to do to develop who you are and define your leadership is don't allow it. Don't allow it. Show them you have a voice. Don't say yes. something you know, crazy. Yes. Make sure you're speaking the truth. But you know, I'll tell you, I went to a, a country, I went to Greece and in Greece, there's not a lot of, um, at least I, I haven't come across a lot of female uh, NCOs. And so everybody kept saying, well, they're not going to want to talk to, you know, your master because she's a female. And we got down there and they were talking back and forth with some of the captains and, and things. And then my master that was with me, my battle buddy, she chimed in and then she started speaking like, you know, all kinds of like her plan and her concepts. And they were next thing, you know, gradually you could watch the Greek military leaders start to ask her questions and focus on what she was saying, because she didn't allow that herself to be treated like she didn't have a voice by the U S side or the Greek side, because we did too, or the Hellenic side. But then once she showed her voice, then it turned into they weren't talking to the rest of us all that much. They were looking at her as like, oh, this is the Shmi right here. We got the Shmi. Uh, so you you as an NCO, you as a leader, period, whether it be military or whatever, you have to be able to say, okay, you're going to treat me like I don't have a voice. Let me show you my voice. And then maintain your professionalism mm-hmm. and show what kind of NCO you are, what knowledge you have. And, and once they're taken aback and they get past that, then they're going to they're gonna treat you differently. I promise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and uh, so if we let's if we sum all this up for lesson two, uh, it makes a great point in the last sentence. Ed, and I've I found myself in the same situation where basically uh, when he wants to anal- analyze all this, he's where he writes, I made notes to ask myself, am I listening and empowering my subordinates? Mm-hmm. And who is the subject matter expert on the topic? Uh, when I've 
I think I've said it on the show a few times. When I go into a new organization, I look for those people who are the informal leaders, those people that are knowledgeable in certain areas that I can kind of pull knowledge from them to help make the organization better. You know, you may have somebody who it might not be good, the best runner in the world. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, they still have to do PRT. They still have to be physically fit, but you don't have to be the fastest to be somebody we can go, you know, go with, uh, to get advice from. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I respect what he said here, uh, with that. And I think that definitely the question to be asked was, uh, what have I learned from my leaders, good and bad? And I would say, don't disclude subordinates, peers, all that. All that needs to be in there. So what yeah. have I learned from my subordinates, peers, and leaders? Always learning. Always. Uh, so we're going to move on to number three, Ed, before we uh, end up closing out this show. Because we're only going to do three for this episode. And we're going to do <laughs> the following episode, the following three. Yeah, because we're one hour into this, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> So lesson three, Brian, is assess yourself. Um, and so very important here. So first of all, it says, what, what are my deficiencies and what can I do to improve them? So these are our questions, right? And then, uh, mm-hmm. so this is something you know we talk about for us. It should be addressed in our evaluations, right? But everybody knows it's easier to avoid conflict and push the easy button to be uh, complimentary in these evaluations to not necessarily be honest in these evaluations. And this causes you an issue really. Yeah. It helps you. Yes. It helps you look like you walk on water, but what it doesn't do is help you assess where you can improve. And so in the article, he talks about that. And then he talks about, you need a mentor. So for me, Brian, I know that if we were working together, I could go to you and say, I need an honest assessment and I could get it from you. Mm. But it's these evaluations, I'm you walk on water, you know, and I think he says that in the article. Like I could just jump out of a boat and just start walking across the water if you look at my evaluations, but that's not helping me to improve. And you as a leader, I challenge leaders to be honest. Like don't kill anybody's career, but that doesn't deserve it. But be honest because they cannot get better. And then what happens is then we have the senior leaders that people don't want to look at, like we talked about in the last lesson. They don't want to look to them as the Shmi because they've been groomed to think they were great and they have all these deficiencies that were never addressed. I don't know why that just cut out. Yes. Oh, you're fine. I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. GoPro just went wrong. He said yes. GoPro get crazy with you? Yeah, I can't see. Anything. Is that what you said? Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, that's. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. It means the world to me. Um... <laughs> now, now, I got you, brother. Uh, we got your picture up here. Let's, let's, uh, let's see where we go with the assessing. Yeah. I do see your All face, right. though. It's a, good, it's a good pose that you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, I see. And, all right. So with assessing, Brian, so what are your thoughts? Uh, so 
what I wanted to do really, Ed, was I wanted to hit upon something you mentioned earlier. This is before we started the, the actual recording because, you know, we talk constantly. Um, you talked about you brought up what are def- what are my deficiencies and what can I do to improve on them? I'm, I'll, I'll uh, link what you had to say before once I say this is it talks about your your valuation reports, right? And how we get evaluated. And I find that one of the best ways is to allow somebody to write their own evaluation report. And they'll give you something that's just like one or two lines, each block. And you're like, so is this what you think about yourself? Do you feel like you've accomplished things? And, you know, they say, oh, no, I've done stuff. It's just hard to write. Well, you've got to learn to generalize. Mm-hmm. You've got to learn to do this. And what I have done also is, uh, look at it this way. So what are the areas that you need to work on? Where's, you know, like wh- how do you make th- from this evaluation of who you are and what you can do as a leader, how do you improve upon what you want on here? You know, because everyone wants to be number one. Everyone wants exactly. to say that they're the best of the best of the best. And it's, that's why, and uh, that's why I'm, I'm really happy with where we went with the evaluations of only 24% of what the senior rater evaluates can uh, be the top of the top. So you've got the other 76% got to fall into three other areas. And to me, it's kind of, it sets people apart. Now I've got to start evaluating. Hey, how do I get better? What do I need to do to get better? Um, One of the questions I want to ask you before I, uh, I kind of jump over to the other area that we talked about with assessing was, when you were being evaluated by Rick Williams, there was some areas that he wanted to, like each NCUR, he wanted to evaluate you guys on a certain specific area, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't it like uh, what you've contributed to yourself, the organization, and the people around you or something like that? What Do you remember exactly what it was? I don't remember the verbiage, but yeah, he always talked about your impact outside the organization. That was like a big focus. like you know, And, and I remember him saying right. something similar to, you know, the first eval in that position is about your impact in the organization. But your second one needs to show more of an impact outside the organization. So, like, when we certify yeah. other academies to teach the uh, the new learning method and stuff, that was – you were now you're impacting outside the organization. So, yeah, he was very focused uh, on those different levels. Okay. Yeah. And so that makes sense to me. Um, so where I wanted to take this assessment thing, because we have to constantly be doing assessments on ourselves. What, what can I do to get better? What can I do to get better? Um, because we can't stay stagnant, especially, especially where we're going with an army. It's about get better or time to move on and let somebody else yeah. try, you know, um, you said something earlier about Sarah went to use your particular bathroom that you use all the time. Um, and yeah. you are actually using a habit. You're using a habit known by Dave, uh, with David Goggins does. Uh, he was yeah. the Navy SEAL who's now like an ultra marathon runner. Ultra, he's an endurance athlete what he is considered. Um, can you explain what that is that you're doing? So in his book, he talks about an accountability mirror, but he also talks about being brutal, honest. Don't put on your accountability mirror, you know, um, get in shape. That's not, he wants you to be more specific or, you know, the different language with it. So on mine, I have a few different goals. And then 
one of my goals, I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to trim down a bit. So every time I weigh in every two weeks, I write it on my mirror so I can see the weight change. Um, and then, you know, just stuff. And the reason you do it in your mirror is because like for me, I shower down here after the gym in the morning before I go to work. So that means I have to see this every day. Uh, he suggested using post-it uh, tags, you know, but for me, I can just mm-hmm. use a dry erase marker. And, and like I said, nobody else really sees it. Sarah just, sometimes Sarah's just strange like that. And she's just like, I'm going downstairs. So she went down to the man cave. And uh, so she got to see it. But her response was, wow, like I am that I am pumped up. Like that really does motivate me. I said, yes. Yeah. So now just mm. kind of imagine what it does for me to make me want to develop and be better. Um, you know, and, and there's all kinds of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right now in the middle of doing what's called streak running. So I'm at 28 days straight of running every day, a minimum of a mile. And so I have my little tick marks on my mirror, you know, that I cross off every time I do a run so I can make sure, see how many days I'm at. And so it's just, you really couldn't do much in the mirror, like brush your hair and stuff because there's so much writing on it. <laughs> So yeah, so it's, it's an accountability mirror. Oh, that's a different angle. Yeah, let's. I know it's it, my camera decides it just like ah, eh, I don't like that view, so it just changes on me all the time. Well, mine so, still yeah, got the politician what happens. picture. So. This, I, yeah, I when I when I see this view of me, this is what I think. <laughs> it's mysterious. Oh, you should not have no. that. All right. Um, so Ed, we <laughs> we have basically we covered over the th- three of the first questions. Uh, those questions being the first one is what is other person's perspective. The second one was what have I learned from my leaders, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And the third one is where are my deficiencies and what can I do to improve on them. Uh, assessing oneself to me that's that's critical. It's it, and you can add that in so many areas of life. Uh, what I'm looking at this with Ed is these are just three questions to start off with. And the next three questions that we're going to talk about uh, in the next episode, those are also just something to start off with. You could come up with your own questions when, yeah. you, when you want, you know, uh, you don't have to go off of these, but what they're do, what this is to do is to help you kind of define your leadership in a certain way. All right. Um, I don't want to, get into the next three questions till the next episode. However, I do want to say that using these, this is, it's funny. I look at it as I've kind of been doing some of this stuff already and just didn't know and think about it. But now I'm, I'm trying to be, I want to be more aware of my own leadership styles and leadership. Um, and that whole assess yourself, Ed, that you brought up about the accountability mirror. Uh, this comes to, I would say, that answers uh, the question for me is what can you what can you learn uh, from someone else? That's something I learned. I actually did listen to the David Goggins book um, and I hear you talking about it. And now it's like, hey, maybe that's something I can do and learn about. Uh, so I lost you now, Ed, and you're no longer on the show because you disconnected, I think. Um, but that's OK. Where we go with this is, you know, up to you. Uh, so here we go. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end the show out and pick up the show where we left off with of this onto the next one. I don't see Ed. He he has we've lost Ed. 
He is no longer online. He's considered offline. Uh, he's he's going to probably try to come back on, and then I'm going to end the show as what it is. Uh, but I would tell you, hey, listen, those of you listening, think about your leadership style. Think about the type of person that you want to be, but you don't want to just what you want to be. Like, here's this picture. I want to be this. You've actually got to ask these important questions to help gain that new knowledge and gain the information you need to kind of mold your leadership style. And then what you do is you share with subordinates, peers, and even seniors this this mentality, the mentality that you want to create to become the leader that you want to become. I would say continue on. Uh, Ed's trying to get back on, but that's okay. We'll probably end up stopping this and then we'll go into the next one uh, before he gets back. I do want to say thank you very much for listening. Hey, listen, <clears throat> there are so many ways to reconnect or to reconnect or just connect with us. Um, first, we have the Facebook page. 101 Influence is where you can find us. You basically ter- type in the search bar uh, on Facebook above just 101 Influence. And you'll find we'll have two different pages. You'll have we have the actual like there's the closed Facebook group and then there's the the regular one. Just go into the regular one and then you can try to become a part of the closed Facebook group. It's answering three questions. Answer the questions. It's nothing that's like overly uh, that's like overly information giving or anything like that. What it is is the questions help us understand our listeners or those people who are a part of the group. It's just to help us understand. You know, it's that whole getting your perspective is what we're doing. Um, you can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn, those three different areas. Uh, we try to put stuff on there. Really, most of what we do is it's it's pushing out what the show is, what the show's about, things like that. Um, I would just, you know, hey, if you've got comments, questions, or concerns with anything, you can always just hit us up uh, and we have no problems with that. I would also say, hey, check us out on YouTube. On YouTube, when you go, you just go look up Instinctive Influencers and you won't have a problem at all finding us. Uh, watch our, watch we've, this is our third or fourth episode we've done. Uh, that's kind of look now I'm having issues with, uh, the camera wanting to do its own thing. Oh, there we are. Um, so I would say you can leave us comments. You can give us a thumbs up, which we really appreciate. Give us the thumbs up. Uh, hit the subscribe button. It'll let you know when we uh, have the new episodes. Uh, but those, in the comments, if you want, if you got something you want to say about the episode or maybe a future episode, any of that type of stuff or question that you want to ask us, just put it in there. We're, we're going to read those things we're, and we'll get back to you on it. That's that's not a problem. Um, but with that, I do want to say that I want to thank you all for listening and uh, being a part of the show and you know and just supporting us with this. Uh, it's, it's definitely, we got a lot of different things we're going to start doing. Um, but I definitely would tell you that... Uh, Thank you very much. And we're just kind of end the show. Hi, I am Brian. Ed's not with us, but he is Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.